0: From Strongsville, Ohio, the pastor of the Strongsville Christian Church, Pastor Joseph Kallini. Amen, amen. I'd like to greet everybody and welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is heart transplant, heart transplant, amen. This is what the good Lord put on my heart to share with you good folks today is that we all at one point in time need to have a heart transplant, Amen. And sometimes some of us may have already had a heart transplant. But how many of you know there are a lot of scenarios where folks have endured a heart transplant and even that new heart transplant went bad and they had to have a new heart trans, another heart transplant. Amen. So just because you had one heart transplant doesn't mean you're good the rest of your life. But our heart is the one of the most important organs in your body because if your heart is not working then there is no blood that flows through the rest of your body and the body parts stop functioning amen so we need to really make sure that our heart is in a1 condition and so a lot of times naturally we don't consider the heart until after something goes wrong but They said that 90% of the heart problems that people have, uh, some of them are genetics, but a lot of them can be avoided by preventative measures, very basic, simple, preventative measures, such as your diet. The things that you eat affect your heart. That is one of the number one causes for heart attacks is your diet. And it is the same way spiritually... The things that we eat spiritually affect our spiritual heart. What you take in affects your heart. Amen? And it's true even in the natural that you have to exercise your heart. Your heart is a muscle. It needs to be worked. It's a tough muscle. And it needs to be exercised. It's the same way with our spiritual heart. So I want to talk to you today about heart transplants. Amen. How many have had a heart transplant? Amen. Nobody? All right. Praise God. This is the right place. Amen. How many have had a spiritual heart transplant? Amen. Half of you. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) We're going to make sure by the time this service is over, we have 100% spiritual heart transplant. Amen. Now, let me just throw a little bit of theology at you real quick. Um, If you look at the word heart, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you look at the the word mind and you look at the word spirit, if you look at those three words, spirit, mind, and heart, both in Hebrew and in Greek, does anybody know what the meanings of this is except for Brother Chuck? It actually, all three of them are interchangeable. Right, so if you look at the, the the Greek and the Hebrew words of heart, mind, and spirit, you'll see that it's used interchangeable in both Old Testament and New Testament. So, how do we rightfully divide? What is the heart? What's the spirit? What's the mind? I, I project this. Who cares? It doesn't matter. We just need a change, amen? Whether it's a change of mind, change of spirit, change of heart, we need a transplant from the Lord, amen? Amen. All of us need Jesus to give us a new heart. Now, there are a lot of worldly people, a lot of you may have a lot of family members that they will tell you, they'll tell you, why I have a good heart, right? And they'll say that, Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without the Bible, without church, they'll just say, I don't, I'm just a good person. Has anyone ever heard anyone say that? I'm just a good person. I don't really need God because they've never smoked crack cocaine, they've never murdered anyone, they never went to jail. And by their standards, they're a good person. But how many of you know that people's standards are different than God's standards? God is a sovereign, holy God, and the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short from the glory of God. Well, on the TV show that I do once a week as the pastor, someone called in with the question, and I did not get to answer it, but I really wanted to answer it, so I'm going to answer it with you fine folks. The question was, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Anyone ever heard that one before? Why does God allow bad things happen to good people? And I did not get to answer it. It was an itch that I could not scratch. And I would throw back the same question. Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? The Bible even says don't rejoice when the wicked prosper, right? Because all of us will, on the day of judgment, have to give an account for all things unto the Lord. Amen? So but the answer is this. The answer is the word of God. Jesus said there is none good. That's the answer. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Jesus said none. He said, why callest me thou good? There is none good save God. So in other words, nobody is good. I don't care what type of uh, image they project, how how nice they look how kind they talk the bible says jesus said nobody is good except for god in other words outside of god there is nothing that will glory in god the only thing that makes us good is god because god is good and when a good god lives within us then goodness starts to radiate from us but without the hand of god we're not good. None of us. Me, you, none of us. The Bible says no flesh will glory in the presence of God. In other words, none of us are going to be able to brag about how holy we are without God. All of us. Some Someone say all of us. All of us need to give Jesus, to give us a new heart. Amen. And until you get a new heart, everything else is superficial. Amen. You know, I, 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 I want to I have so much I want to share, but I don't necessarily have a long message today. But let me get into this real quick. Jeremiah 17, nine. It goes into the description of the heart of mankind women not excluded the heart of womankind amen let me throw that in there ladies the heart of humanity amen jeremiah seventeen nine says the heart is deceitful above all things desperately wicked now let's not get it twisted this is not talking about after we're born again This is not talking about after we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is talking about before Christ, before salvation. The the sin law, the flesh, the nature of man is, is wicked. Everybody before Christ. The heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Isaiah 64, 64, 6, it says, But we are as an unclean thing, and all our unrighteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Amen. That is why we need a new heart from Jesus. Now, a pastor friend of mine told me a story that last Friday he was going to grab himself a late dinner, and he went all the way from Akron on Thursday. Excuse me, a pastor friend of mine. He said he went all the way from Akron to Old Brooklyn back to Strongsville, and then he ran into a pastor's daughter. And the pastor's daughter, I don't want to say the name or or the church, but he ran into a pastor's daughter of one of the biggest churches in Middleburg. Right? And I don't want to say the name of the church, but I found it interesting what this pastor told me. He didn't tell me the name of the person. He didn't say the name of the church. He just said he ran into a pastor's daughter who was part of one of the biggest churches in Middleburg, and he said that the the head pastor, his daughter wanted nothing at all to do with God, wanted nothing to do with church, wanted nothing to do with what she called religion, wanted nothing to do with the relationship of Jesus, wanted nothing to do with the Bible. And I was thinking to myself, and this lady was bragging that, the pastor of this church reached out to four or 5,000 people at a time. And yet, a pastor could reach out to four or 5,000 people, but yet can't reach his own daughter. Why? Because you can grow up in religion. You can grow up in a legitimate house of worship. And still not have a heart change. See, this is why a lot of people will go in and out of church and they'll stay the same because they don't really have a heart transplant. You can polish the outside, but you need to polish the inside. You need a new heart by Jesus. And until you receive a new heart by Jesus, you're going to find out that nothing changes in your life until you change. And once you change, you're going to start to see everything around you will change. People will change once you change and so when he told me this story about this pastor's daughter he said we need to pray for the pastor who is hurting and we need to pray for that church and we need to pray for the pastor's daughter who has rejected God amen Until there is a heart transplant, every effort to grow is temporal. And I say that to pastors. I say that to everybody. Until there is a heart transplant, every effort to grow is temporal. This is why you could have pastors with impressive theology degrees, but there's no fruit in their life because their heart has not changed yet how many have heard the movie jesus revolution it just came out how many have seen that right me and my wife seen it i believe the day after because it came out on wednesday we have church here on wednesday so we came and saw it the next day my wife kind of blindsided me uh, with going to see the movie and uh, we went to go see this movie uh, jesus revolution it is uh, based on a true story amen about a gentleman named pastor chuck who had a very dead or dry church. There was no activity. There were people that were just sitting there, not really reaching out, and the church just seemed boring, right? There was no amens, no clapping, no excitement, right? I've been to more lively storefront churches with five people than what they were showing in this movie. And so what happened is his daughter ran into a preacher named uh, Lonnie Frisbee who was a hippie, right? He had a very rough childhood. He had the long hair, the beard. He didn't have shoes on. He was a hippie. And so his daughter introduced Lonnie Frisbee to her dad, who was the pastor of this dry church, and he sat down and listened to this hippie guy. He said, look, he said, I want to help you to reach my people, meaning the hippies. Right. And these hippies were caught up in drugs. They were caught up in drugs and they were caught up in a love movement. But how many of you know real love is not outside of God? Love is not in drugs. It's not in emotionalism. God is love and love is God. And there is no love outside of God. But what happened is this pastor, whose name was Pastor Chuck or Pastor Charles, He had a heart transplant or a change of heart towards these hippie peoples that he was rejecting. He looked down on them. He felt alienated from them because he could not relate to them. And I was thinking to myself, this is the same thing that happens with us as the church. We feel alienated always from the younger generation. The younger generation feels alienated from us, and a lot of times we bash and attack the younger people because we grew up in a different era. And your parents bash you, and your parents' parents bash them, and you bash your children, and, and you bash your—because you, we can't connect to one another. Because culture and society changes. But everything is going to change, but the word of God remains the same. We have no foundation in society or culture. It has to be through the love of God, through a heart transplant. And so this pastor became open-minded to accept Lonnie Frisbee. And he welcomed him in, and this man flooded his church. And there were a few religious folks who did, they were disgusted by these hippies. And you had all these. These uh, folks in this church, they they had a clean suit and tie on. They had shiny shoes and their hair was in proper place. And they were looking at these hippies that were on drugs and alcohol and they were living a life of sin and they didn't have any shoes on and they were all dressed uh, with rags. And they were sitting on one side and on the next side was sitting on the folks with the suit and tie. And a few of them could not stand these hippies in their church now in one way they were right that what they were doing was wrong the the drugs and the alcohol but in another way they were judging them based on their outward appearance and that way they were wrong how many know you could have two people that are both wrong the hippies were wrong because they were Looking for something other than God. You see, wh- one thing that I saw and one thing that I heard that really touched me is that within this movie, they mentioned this. They said, Why, what's going on with these hippies? What are they looking for? Why are they doing these drugs? Why are they doing these alcohol? And, and what they were saying is that these folks were doing drugs and alcohol because they were looking for God. You see, I remember my own life. Why did I do drugs and alcohol? Because I was looking for God, but I didn't know. All I was doing was looking for comfort from all my pain and suffering. See, folks that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, it doesn't make them a bad person. They just know that that they're not supposed to feel bad all the time. It's not normal to have depression all the time. It's not normal to have anger and frustration and hurt and all these wounds. It's not normal to feel that way. And they know that the only way they could get comfort is to reach out into acid and marijuana and get drunk and get high. And they know that if they commit fornication, it will give them a relief from this pain that they have. And so the fact that they don't want to feel bad bad anymore does not make them a bad person it's just that they don't know that they can go to god and god is a drug that doesn't have side effects god is a drug that will change you god is a drug that can give you more peace and more joy where you don't need the crutch of chemicals and so that was one of the things that they were saying is that god can be your greatest high Do you know that? God can be your greatest high. He is a sovereign God, which means there is no higher authority, there's no higher power. But when people are there in a religious setting, they're in church, but their mind is not, they're not even listening. They're not even trying to hear anything that the preacher's saying, they don't care. They're in church because they were made to go in church, not because they want to. You see, that's not a relationship that changes the heart. How many want to get married to someone that only married you because they had to marry you? Or do you want to be in love with someone who chose you because they want? Because they love you. You see, this is what God is looking for. He's looking for a love relationship. Not because you have to. But because you want to. Amen? Until there's a heart transplant. And see, this is where me and the prison systems bump heads. As I do prison ministry... I went to a volunteers meeting, and I listened to these educated professionals. And I want you to know, if you listen to my message, it almost sounds like I demonize education and I attack college. In a way, I do, but in a way, I have education. I'm not saying that to brag. I have two college degrees. I'm a medical provider. Now, again, I'm not saying that to brag, but I just want to clear the ear that I'm not against education. I'm not against the medical field, but I recognize there's flaws. And so if you blindly follow education in the medical field in an ignorant way, assuming that they replace God, then that is a flaw. It's a, there's a place for it, but it's not a replacement for the Lord. Amen. And so in this prison, I went to this meeting And they were saying, well, all the inmates, all they need is they need education, they need training, they need therapy, they need uh, counseling, they need medication, they need all these programs, they need skills. And I was thinking to myself, these people that are running the institution are either A, they only care about money and they're using these things to get grants from the government, or B they are disconnected from these inmates. A lot of the inmates in prison, they have high educations, high paying jobs, they have skills. Some of them are more talented than people on the street. It is not their lack of education that got them in prison. It is their lack of heart transplant that their heart was not right because if you educate a criminal, now you got a smart criminal. If you give them talents, now you got a talented criminal. If you give them skills, now you got a skilled criminal. But until there's a heart transplant, transplant from Jesus they will never change they will keep going in and out of jail until Jesus steps in their life and the same thing happens for us whether you're in and out of jail we need a heart transplant you're going to find yourself struggling with addictions struggling with temptations struggling with failure until you get a heart transplant and know that the king of kings and the lord of lords is only one that you need This is why people will post all these things on Facebook. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. True that, not going to church doesn't make you a Christian either. Only the Bible says that Hebrews don't forsake the assembly of believers. See, sometimes people say stuff, and I'm going to tell you whether you go to church or not go to church, you're still not going to be a Christian until you have a heart. Transplant, Amen. And Ezekiel forty four four. The man brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple. I looked and saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord. And I fell face down. This is a really polarized situation. You have two groups of people. You have one person that was in the temple of God. And the glory of God was so powerful that it caused them to fall to the ground. And at the same time, you have another group of people who never had a circumcision of heart who got nothing in the same temple. And so what I learned is that sometimes change doesn't happen until people run the course that it's more painful to stay the same. I said it's more painful to stay the same than it is to change. My wife said, you read that in a book. In other words, when you get to a point that you know you can't keep going down this direction that something has to give, you'll start looking for change. How many know your pastor was there? I was at a point in my life where I knew I could not keep going down the direction in which I was going. I knew something needed to give or I wasn't going to make it. I knew that unless God did something in my life immediately, I was not going to survive. I needed God to act now, and now he did. And let me get back to the scripture. I saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord, and I fell face down. And the Lord said to me, son of man, look carefully, listen closely and give attention to everything I tell you concerning all the regulations and instructions regarding the temple of the Lord. Give attention to the entrance of the temple and all the exits of the sanctuary. Say to rebellious Israel This is what the sovereign Lord says. Enough of your detestable practices, people of Israel, in addition to all your detestable practices, you brought foreigners uncircumcised in heart. You see, it was the law that the natural man had to be circumcised. But God was not talking about the natural flesh of the person. He was talking about the circumcision of the heart. In other words, you, even back then in the Old Testament, Even back then in the Old Testament, God was saying you could go through circumcision, you could do animal sacrifice, you could give your tithes and offerings, you could do all the laws, you could honor the Sabbath day, but until you have a circumcision of heart, you're not entering into the glory of God. You are still away from me. And folks, we need a circumcision of heart in order to experience the glory of God. Someone say, God, give me a heart transplant. I can't keep going on this way. I need your help, Lord. I feel like I'm going to snap. I feel like I'm going to bust. I feel like I can't make it anymore. And God is saying, all you that are heavy laden, come unto me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You don't need to keep going on on your own. I'm here. I died on the cross to give you a hand. In fact, not only did I, but I sent you the comforter, the help, the Holy Ghost sent by Jesus Christ to empower you. You don't have to keep going on by yourself. You don't have to cry out to marijuana. You don't have to cry out to alcohol. You don't have to cry out to man. All you need to do is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, and I will direct your path. I will show you the way that you should take. Glory to Jesus. You brought foreigners, uncircumcised in heart, and flesh into my sanctuary, desecrating my temple. Why offered me food, fat, and blood, and you broke my covenant? Instead of carrying out your duties... Instead of carrying out your duties in regard to my holy things, you put others in charge of my sanctuary. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. No foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh will enter into my sanctuary. Not even the foreigners who live amongst the Israelites. You see, one thing that I saw before COVID, all these Now, I shouldn't say all. There were certain pastors that were trying to teach me how to grow my church. They were trying to tell me, well, this is what you need. You need a fog machine. And you need some strobe lights, and you need to get rid of those suits and break out the skinny jeans and put a T-shirt on and, you know, start working out and show off your guns and, and, and get some coffee. It's got to be Sanka coffee, and, you know, it's got to be plucked from some beans growing out of cow poop. I don't know what they were saying, but they are saying these things of how to grow the church. You know, you got to have a seeker-friendly church. Don't say any type of convicting scriptures. Make sure it's all flattering and sure. And they have a system. You see, because they look at these revivals, like the Asbury Revival, what happened with uh, uh, Greg Laurie and, and, and Charles, Pastor Charles, and they, they, they experienced this revival, and they look at this breakout, how it changed hundreds and millions of people. And so what they try to do is they try to replicate what God did back then, and they find out that it's not working. If it worked, every church would have a revival. Because what they try to do is they try to bypass the heart transplant. Because you could have the finest coffee in the planet. You could have the best pastries that make you want to smack your mama be so good. You could have all the hot meal services, all the fog machines, the skinniest jeans that cut off your circulation. You could talk very studious and very kind and Jesus loves you and you're all going to heaven no matter what don't even got to repent don't even got to put your faith in Jesus everyone's going to heaven I could tickle your ears but that don't mean there's going to be a heart transplant the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword piercing down to the dividing of the soul folks we need to release the word of God and let the word of God change the heart the Holy Spirit will work on the hearts of people don't get in the way of god don't try to sugarcoat it don't try to water it down you don't know what the people want to hear we live in a day and age where people are tired of the fake and phony they've been lied to they've been cheated abused and they're ready for a real word of god they're ready for a real heart transplant they're tired of the fake and phony how do i know because people come up to me and they tell me I'm glad I didn't listen to them of how to grow a church. I'd rather be in a church with five folks with a real heart for God than in 10,000 people, not one of them love God. They love coffee. They love donuts. They love crowds. But ask them to quote John Uh, 3.16. Well, uh, uh, John 3.16 God did something. You know, they don't even know. Come on, folks. Ezekiel 36, 26. Look at what God said. He said, I will give you new heart, a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. But how many of you know God does not run after people? With this new heart in his hand, like, like, uh, Deacon, what's that name? Uh, when they, that guy, he's like, get over here. And he takes the heart out of him. Mortal Kombat. God is not going to run after you like Mortal Kombat. From Scorpion who takes the heart out of the person. God ain't doing that. See, when you get tired of your own heart, when your heart starts to cause fatigue, Speech impediment. You start to get lightheaded and dizzy. Then you do what? You go to the doctor. Doctors don't walk around neighborhoods knocking on doors. Uh, I'm just checking in the neighborhood. Anyone open up the door. Is anyone in here need a heart transplant? Huh? When's the last time you had a heart surgeon knock on your door talking about does anyone need a heart I'm just checking, you know, the hospital's kind of slow right now and we are just got to get our numbers up and insurances are cutting back. And, you know, anyone have someone knock on the door and ask for a heart transplant? Or when someone knows that they're not going to make it, They're not going to make it unless they get a new heart. They run. I've heard stories of people taking nitrous glycerin and they popped it just to get to the hospital so that they can make it to get a stent in their heart because they knew if they didn't act right away, they were going to die. You see, when you get to the place of desperation, that's when revival will break out. When you get to a point where you know that you know that you know that you need a heart transplant, that you need... God to change your heart that's when you'll get a new heart you'll start to see a move of God I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh I could look back folks and I could think of my own life and I can think how I was at a A place of bitterness and hard heartedness. I remember, folks, I remember that eight, nine years went by and I didn't cry. Do you know that? You could get to a place where you are so hard hearted. You're so hard hearted that nothing moves you anymore, you're calloused. Folks, that's where the devil wants you to be at, where you're at a point where you could no longer cry anymore. That's where I was at. Eight years went by, and I could not shed one tear, I, even if I wanted to. Some people can make themselves cry at the drop of a dime. I couldn't even do that. I was so hard-hearted. And when I experienced the true and living God, folks, he softened my heart so much, that I would literally cry when I would watch the Shrek movie. Nobody understood a poor green giant. He just was misunderstood and not welcomed anywhere. I actually cried. And what's the, the wife's name? Sophina or s- something? Same with her. Nobody loved her except for Shrek. I cried. I literally cried watching the. See, and I I looked at myself, how hard-hearted I was, and how I started to cry over even the smallest things. And now I watch movies all the time. My wife don't know it. I always, I always make fun of her when she cries, and I always she tries to pretend like she's not crying. I'll put my finger and I'll flick the tear off her eye. What's this? Oh, it's dry in the air. But she don't know that the same thing happens to me. I'm just, I just don't let her see it. I bite my tongue. I try to create pain to stop them tears from coming down. Why? Because God gave me a new heart. And I got to tell you, the Bible says guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Folks, you know what the devil's gunning for? He's gunning for your heart. He wants you walking around all calloused and hard-hearted and brutish. Folks, that's not how the children of God are. I'm not saying we need to walk around effeminate and pansies and weak minds. I'm not saying that either. But we should be able to cry. Amen. There's something that releases when we cry. That's why it touches my heart when I do altar calls, and i even at this uh, this altar right here, is flooded with tears already. I've seen people crying at the altar. That's not religion. Religion and rituals doesn't make you cry. The power of God does. Even when we do the the altar calls at the prison, a deacon knows, elder knows, elder's been up there, deacon's been up there. He's seen grown murderers, gang gang members, men, teardrops representing each body count on their face. We've seen them cry. MS-13, gang members crying at the altar. Why? Because the spirit of the living God will give us a new heart and a new spirit. He will change us. Amen. When people taste the goodness of God, they become greedy for God. We got any greedy people in here? Greedy for God. Amen. Greedy for God. Luke 17:44 it says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, look at what he did. He hid it again and then his joy, then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. See, I know as a Christian, when other Christians have had a heart transplant, because you catch on fire for God. There is something different about someone who has access to the kingdom of heaven. They desire God more than anything else on this earth. Is there anyone in here that has a heart transplant? When we have a new heart, We sacrifice effortlessly. I remember, folks, when I first became a Christian, I'll tell you, some of you know this. Only a few of you know this whole this story. And please wink at my ignorance. Right? I didn't grow up in a Christian home like you fine folks. I was an atheist, didn't believe in God. But when I first started reading the Bible in the Old Testament, I found out that they sacrificed animals to God. And so in the place where I got saved was at the county jail. And I was locked up as an inmate. And I just got saved. Didn't know the Bible Didn't know propitiation, tabernacle, atonement, eschatology, theology. Didn't know about the first coming, the second coming. And all I knew is that these people, to express their love of God or to be right with God, they took these animals And they slit the throat and they put their hand on the animal so that their sins would pass from that person to the animal. And they would sacrifice. And I said, wow, I don't got no animals. They don't have that on commissary. I checked. But what they did have, the most prized possession in the incarceration establishment was called a little Debbie honey bun. And if you had a honey bun, things would change in that jail. And so I held up my honey bun unto the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm going to set, I was private, no one was watching. And I held my honey bun up, I didn't read the whole Bible, I was just accepted Jesus. I didn't know that Jesus was, you know, he, I knew he forgave me for my sins, but I didn't understand about the sacrifice. So I held the honey bun up to the air, and I ripped open the package of the honey bun, and I said, Lord, receive this honey bun unto yourself. I hereby sacrifice this honey bun unto the living God. And I got to think, if I was God, I'd be looking down like, oh, man, we might have to throw this guy back. And I took the honey bun, I put it in the metal toilet, and those things were so strong. It would suck up small children. I mean, it was like a roosh. I mean, you put your foot in there, you'd be down the pipes like Mario. I'm talking about these things have power. It sucked up that honey bun, no problem. You see, why? Because, folks, from the time that I learned about tithing and offering, I, I used to get $20 a month. I would give two bucks, 10% out of that $20 a month. And then I would give offerings even in prison before I got out. And folks, I got to tell you, even back then I saw the hand of God. So let, let me do the numbers for you. And this was when I was in prison. And not one person said, you need to tithe. I didn't, I didn't, nobody said you need to tithe. You're not, you're going to hell. You're under a curse if you don't tithe. Nobody said that. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do everything I could to bless the Lord. I, I didn't, I Lord, I don't even want you to bless me. I want to bless you. You've done so much for me. I want to bless you. I want to praise you. I want to do whatever you want me to do because I love you because I had a change of heart. And even back then I would give 10% plus off- offerings in the prison. And you know what? Inmates out of nowhere would come and make me a $10, 15 pizza and they would just give it to me. It happened all the time. And folks, even after that, I went through homelessness as a Christian, still tithe. As a, I was literally homeless. Some of you seen the videos of how we started. You know how we were living. I would tithe on my food stamps. Yes, I did. Everything I had, I was literally on food stamps. They would give me 100 bucks on my food card. I would take $10, and I would donate to the church. The one time, my pastor rebuked me because I put a Snickers bar in the, because I knew my pastor liked Snickers. I put a Snickers bar in the, the offering basket, and he took me aside privately. He was like, no, Deacon uh, uh, Joseph, I, 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 I understand. Th- this is for money now. If you got a Snickers bar, you bring it to me. <laughs> this is for money. And I said, okay, Pastor, I don't know. It's just, I understand. So sometimes we got to be taught. But my heart was just to give. I, want, I wanted to, not because I, out of obligation, out of guilt trip, out of condemnation, out of curse. I wanted to. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to do everything for God. I I served in the church, not because I had to. I wasn't trying to compete to be more religious or more righteous. I wanted to. I would shovel the, 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 the stairs as a deacon. I would shovel the snow. I would cut the grass. I would be up on the roof doing tar, hated tar, hated heights, I was out there with a bucket of tar, stepping on old screw rusty nails, galvanized with rust on it, going straight up into my foot, had to go to Metro. Why? Not because I had to. I wasn't even getting paid. I wanted to. You see, there's something different about your life that when God really gives you a new heart, He becomes, you sell everything that you have and you go and buy from the kingdom of heaven because you know it is only in the kingdom of heaven that will satisfy your soul. It will provide you a quench of your thirst. And I just realized this revelation just now, folks. I believe I'm 45. And give or take a couple years. Do you know I've been serving God equally as long as I served the devil? I'm at a 50-50 point right now in my age. I served the devil for 20 years or 22, something like that. And now I've been serving God for about 22, 23 years. I'm at a 50-50 point where I have as much experience living in sin Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm at a a middle point in my life where I serve the devil aggressively. Not like you find, folks, I aggressively serve the devil. I sinned as much as time would permit. And now I went to the other spectrum and now I'm serving God as much as time will permit. And so I, I can rightfully tell you what it's like to live in pleasure and sin. Not because I am just learned it in the school. I did it. And now I know with a heart transplant, it's better with God. Amen. It's better with God. And sacrifice, you want to sacrifice. Amen. You want to do it. And when you do it, and here's how I'll, t- I'll tell you, folks, if you have not really had a heart transplant, when when you give... To the church, you give grudgingly. You're, 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 you're like, oh, I don't really. You, you give stingily and greedily, and you're like, eh. I would say, if that's the case, I would say just keep everything. <laughs> you hold on to it for now. <laughs> but when God changes your heart, you'll be like a pitcher from the Indians. With your money, you'll be like this. strike you, you you give effortlessly don't ask me where these analogies come from i don't know we have a new heart we sacrifice effortlessly and second samuel 23:15 look at this folks david longed for water and said oh that someone would give me a drink of water from the well near the gate of bethlehem So the three mighty warriors broke the Philistine line. They were at war and drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Folks, this is a fascinating story. David just said, oh, I'm so thirsty. I wish I had something to drink. His men, they were great, special, elite warriors, it was like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and Ramble, right? Where he had like these these elite warriors. And at the hearing that David was thirsty, they risked their lives. They pierced the front line of the battle just to get him some water. Why? They David didn't have to beg for it. He didn't have to pay for it. They. They saw something within the heart of David that there was something different about David, that they would do whatever they could to bless the man of God. Why? Because, folks, when you get a heart transplant, the people that are around you, you'll start to see they'll start doing things for you. Because they realize there's something different about you. There is a change in you. There's a new creature in you. And they recognize it's not you, but it's God in you. And when they start to see God in you, people will start to sacrifice effortlessly to bless you. It works both ways, folks. And folks, sometimes it takes people years. You could have a legitimate heart transplant. You could have a new heart. But the people who know you after the flesh, they're so familiar with you, it will, might take them 10 years before they recognize that you're not the same person. My family took them about 20 years before they realized that I'm not the same person who I once was. Amen. They're just now, 20 years later, they're starting to see that there's something different. But I'm going to tell you, one of the things that they see is different is not the spiritual. They're seeing that there's something different in the natural. And I'm going to leave it at that. Because they know that what's even happening in the natural that I could not do on my own. I'm going to say that again. When there is a heart transplant and you're being led by the Spirit of God, even what happens in the natural, you could not do on your own effort. And people might miss the spiritual. They might miss a new heart, but they're smacked by the natural. And they recognize there's something different. Amen? When we have a new heart from God, we have new and improved speech. Folks, that's how we know that we have a new heart. The way you talk changes. You talk victorious. You speak life. You speak blessings. You speak healing. You speak deliverance. You don't complain anymore. You don't gossip anymore. You don't talk about people behind their back anymore. Folks, I already know that many of you in here, you will not listen to another person gossip about the pastor. I already know. You won't go for it. And you know what God showed me? The people who will gossip to you. Folks, I want everyone to hear this. This is a game changer. The people who gossip to you about other people are the exact people that are gossiping about you when you turn your back. I'm going to say that again. Do not allow people to talk about your pastor behind his back. One of the leaders in the church here, and I'm not going to say which one, he, he already did before, but one of his acquaintances or people that he knew used to slander me all the time. And then finally he like years later he confronted this person and said, "You know, you can't talk about my pastor anymore." But I promise you that same person who was talking about his pastor was talking about him behind his back, but he allowed it to go on. See, there is a spirit of gossip. It becomes an addiction. But, folks, in order to break that addiction, think about how you would feel if the people were saying the same thing behind your back. And you know how you break that? God showed me revelation how to destroy that gossiping spirit. You know how to get it under your feet? This is what you do. When you hear other people gossiping to you, and I'm going to tell you, folks, even pastors do this. Not all pastors. Even pastors gossip and slander and backbite about other pastors. So I know if pastors are doing it, I know the congregation, not this congregation, other churches in the radius do it. But this is how you do it. You walk into a room and you you enter and you feel the spirit of gossip taking place. Blah, 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 blah. And then when they try to reel you in, to that gossip or what do you have to say i'll tell you what i have to say i wonder what you say when i'm not around (laughs) call them out and they'll think you have a prophetic gift i wonder what you say about me when i'm not in the room and it'll convict their heart And they will no longer gossip with you ever again. And they'll say, where, how did you know? I'm walking with God and my pastor told me so. Amen. Folks, when we have a new heart, we have a new speech. Amen. Amen. How many have heard of the word dysphagia? It's a medical term. Dysphagia, amen. She must work in the medical field. Dysphagia happens when you have a heart problem, and that heart problem, it affects your speech. In other words, the patient knows what to say, but their mouth cannot pronunciate it. It's just like when people have strokes, their face sags down because they lose movement of their face. Folks, when people need a heart transplant, their speech is messed up. But when they get cured or a new heart, their speech improves. That's in the natural. And it's the same way in the spiritual. Isaiah 6.3. You can start playing, uh, Deacon. Deacon. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And they said, I woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips Unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of the seraphims unto having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. You see, this is what God wants to do with all of us. When he gives us a new heart transplant, David say, oh Lord, create in me a clean heart. You see, God cleans up your heart and he takes a hot coal from the kingdom of heaven. He places it on your lips and he purges you of your sin. He washes away your sin through the blood of Jesus, through what was done on that cross. When we repent before Jesus, he purifies our heart. he purifies our mind. He purifies our tongue. He purifies our spirit. He gives us a new spirit and it changes the way that we talk. We don't talk like the world. We don't talk with doubt and unbelief, worry and stress. We talk with power from on high. We talk in a way that encourages and blesses those that are around us. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So does a friend sharpen the continents of his friend. Folks, this is a church that we are going to walk around sharpening and encouraging one another, lifting one another up, building up one another, taking the weak and supporting those that are weak and blessing those everywhere around us. Because when we have a new heart, we have new strength. When we have a new heart, we have new power straight from the throne of God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. If there's anyone in here, I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me real quick. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads with me, please, if you could bow your heads. You could bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anyone in here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If If you you want to have the insurance that when you die,
1: Jesus. But I want to ask you uh, just repeat after me Father God, I'm I'm asking you now. To come, into to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my I sins right my now. Sins I want to accept Jesus, Jesus Christ today. as the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm believing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he paid the price that I could not pay. I plead the blood of Jesus over me and I'm asking that Jesus Christ would now be my new Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross, rose again three days later because he loved me while we were yet sinners christ died for us if you've prayed that prayer and have accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior it is done now you have to ask the lord to fill you with the holy spirit so he could lead you guide you and comfort you yes in in jesus name